Welcome to Pan's Labyrinth, where there's no character named Pan and it has nothing to do with bread. This is spoilers. <laughs> hey guys. The Spanish word for bread <laughs> is pan. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, welcome to spoilers. Just We saw Pan's Labyrinth this week. Um, did you guys see it with subtitles? Stevie, why don't you start? Hola. Native speaker. Como estas? Uh, yeah, I uh, I watched it with subtitles. They speak really quickly. There's not a dubs version of this movie, I don't think. I don't think there is, but uh, yeah, I definitely needed subtitles. I would have been way lost without it. Pappy, where are you recording from, and were you confused about the title of this movie? Uh, yeah, this is Pappy recording from Denver, Colorado, and no, I was pretty clear on the title of the movie, and then yeah, of course, subtitles, I don't, I don't think there is a dubs version. Jordan, how about you? Uh, yeah, I also watched the, um, subtitle version, I also would have been pretty lost, um, I was confused about the title until then, and after I, after the movie, I was looking up, like, why is it called Pan's Labyrinth? Did they just straight up change the name for the English version version or what? Well, Pappy was crystal clear, even though it didn't explain it in the movie. Pappy, how did you become crystal clear? Oh, on why it was called that? <clears throat> yeah, confused on the title. You said that was clear to you. No, I have no fucking idea why it was called that. I just didn't have a hard time <laughs> finding the movie when I was Googling it. I thought that's he, what went he, <laughs> he went clear. Pappy went clear. That's what he was trying to say. No, but I, I <laughs> not to jump ahead, but Guillermo did all his translations, so... Apparently that's what he called it, but oh, huh, Mikey. Uh, what do you think about the title and where are you recording out of? I'm recording from Elkhart, Indiana. Was the fawn guy named Pan, and we just never heard it? I was guessing that fawn mm. is like the Roman version of what he is, and like Pan is the Greek version, something like that. Yeah, uh, Pan is a is a satyr. Okay, so I've I won trivia. And so the movie I choose next week. Take it away. Spoiler. Brett, I was going to ask you about the title, but real quick aside here, I remember watching this for the first time. I think it was in 2007. We were in in college and Mm -hmm. we had like a crappy bootleg version of this, but the movie kind of blew us away. Do Do you remember that? I don't remember the bootleg, but I remember watching it when you said it. I, yeah, I was uh, pumped to watch it again. Definitely College, Bloomington, uh, the Dunn House. It was memorable to me because the movie clearly had like CGI and practical effects, but the version we watched was literally like blurry, fuzzy. Was it on VHS? And crappy. No. We had, <laughs> was a, we had DVDs in 2007. It was <laughs> a slight step above that in a DVD, but it was, it was like a bad bootleg. Anyway. I don't remember that. I don't remember that, but... Um, if you say it, it's probably true. Well, I wonder why your mind would be so blurry from that time. No, I don't. <laughs> Are you saying like a like a like a cam job bootleg like that? Like someone that inside the theater street? recording? Yeah, yeah, and someone that wasn't able to like focus up very oh, well. <laughs> I would I would never watch anything illegal, so I don't know what you're talking about. Or do anything illegal, right? So, <laughs> getting started on the movie, I think. My first biggest note, and I think one of the things that people laud this movie for the most is the practical effects. Mikey, I know you're a big practical effects guy. Did you enjoy that aspect of this movie? Yeah, I loved it a lot. And if you were on Twitter this week, uh, it was like Guillermo del Toro's birthday. So he was posting a bunch of like Pan's Labyrinth stuff and all the special effects, like behind the scenes stuff that went into it. So it really lined up well this week with uh, the movie choice stevie what do you think about where this movie stacks up against like the thing and the aliens movies which we reviewed and also maybe like tim curry's devil from legend well it's tough to top uh legend on a practical effect no and story-wise but um I would say this movie falls below The Thing, which is, I think, the top practical effect movie of all time, but better than Alien, just for the fact that a lot of Alien looks really dated watching it today. But um, I was blown away by the practical effects in this movie, especially with the character of Fawn. I mean, the fact that 
he was actually like standing on those legs and all they did was like remove his actual legs and the shots were pretty amazing to think about a lot of moving parts on the fawn character specifically and like face the facial expressions and the ears ears too yeah there were several kind of creatures that they keyed in on at different times in the movie. Did you guys have uh, favorites or did you like the diversity? Like it went from, I have them written down here. I'll go over the list. There were the fairies. There was Pan or the fawn. There was that big frog. There's <laughs> the mandrake root. And then the, of course there's the, what I call the hand eyes guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the pale man. <laughs> pale man. Slender What's man. that, Pappy? <laughs> the Pale Man. The Carl Malone. <laughs> <laughs> Pappy, since you're chiming in, did you have a favorite amongst those, or can you just weigh in on those creatures and characters? Uh, it's got to be the Pale Man, the guy with the hands for the eyes. Uh, that's like definitely one of the highlights of the movie, that whole scene, even though it doesn't make a whole... A lot of sense why she's so dumb and eats the grape after like <laughs> 10 times being told not to she's eat a grape. so like, hungry. Oh, I thought no one would notice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely thought that the fawn was the coolest character. Um, like f- from an effect standpoint, but also just like his appearances in the story is always like sneaking up and stuff. Um, and even like his his motivations for the longest time, I wasn't sure if he was good or evil or trying to like trick her or whatever. Um, but also like the, the mandrake root baby was pretty creepy as well. When it finally dies in the fire is pretty sad and Oof, strange. Cold strange. Blood, cold blooded. Yeah. Is there like a creature in Harry Potter that's like almost identical? The mandrake. It's the yeah, yeah, the mandrake. Yeah. It's the same well, name. Man, they're, oh, okay. they're mandrakes. Yeah, they're multiple ones. But yeah, and they like scream and look the same. I think they cure you from the basilisk <laughs> coma yeah, thing. Can, yeah. Nerd. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a I'm a Harry Potter guy. I'm your I'm your source here for that. I got I got you. Did anybody else really appreciate the fairies? I thought that was a really cool subversion of like the Tinkerbell cliche. These fairies like were actually bugs that kind of morphed, and even after they morphed, they're still like disgusting creatures. <laughs> Not your typical pixies. <laughs> no. Stevie, run us through that scene where that hands guy gets a hold of a couple of fairies. Like straight <laughs> mouse down on them? Yeah. Like Ozzy Osbourne on a bat. Ozzy Osbourne on a bat, yeah. It's kind of sad. Like, I like those fairies, and he just, like, tore them to bits. Typically, he's eating children, but now he's going after fairies, too. Diversified. I like how he just, like, bit off the head and, like, seemed to discard the rest of the body. <laughs> That's where all the protein is in a a pixie. It's in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of my favorite parts of the movie was when those fairies were trying to talk Ophelia out of eating anything off the table. (laughs) She's so stupid. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They're playing, like, the most intense game of charades I've ever seen. Just like, no. (laughs) Isn't that, like, a common movie rule, though? If you, like, eat anything or drink anything like in hell or like an underworld you have to stay there yeah that's how persephone got yeah i think that's kind of like a i mean it's like a greek myth theme and as well it's played a lot in movies too but like the like uh advisors to her like could not have been more clear like whatever you do do not eat any food your life fucking depends on it like and then he said it again (laughs) he doubled down later and said it again right before she went in there and again, the fairies could have not been more clear in no to not. The, yeah, and there's no real consequences. Like, nothing's really learned from this. It's just like, whoops, two fairies got their heads bit off, but that's it for a while. Anybody anybody else get mad that all that baller food on the table and she eats two grapes? They look like pretty tasty grapes, man. Yeah, there's like a whole ham there. A couple there's of eyeballs. A lot of good looking meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after seeing the eyeballs on the table, the grapes are a weird choice. Yeah. Anyway, I have in my notes that the grapes were kind of like the fizzy lifting drinks from Willy Wonka. Yeah. No? Yes? Uh, I mean, the that temptation. <laughs> well, yeah. And they ultimately, I do think, cost Ophelia a lot. But overall, it's like 
I think what the both movies are saying is like the true character of the heart is what matters, not like small deeds along the way. Uh, she gets bl- blown up on by the fawn too. You get nothing. You lose. <laughs> <laughs> Good day. I, I I thought this whole part was like kind of frustrating because I I get that it's a whole like subversion of fairy tales and like trying to tell a violent scary fairy tale but it's just like I was even thinking like right before she ate the grape oh man that'd be so stupid if she actually ate the grape after all this advice and she doesn't anyway it's like what what mm-hmm. and then like I said there's like no consequence from it she doesn't really learn anything from it well isn't that the reason that she dies in the end you mean becomes Moana you're welcome yes <laughs> I I always assumed in this movie that that was the ultimate consequence. And if she hadn't done that, then things could have played out differently for her. She maybe lived out her life, her human life, I guess. This is like a fairy tale with like brutality. But I don't think that's the main like aim of the movie. To me, the aim of the movie is to like take a child's imagination and really blur the lines and play with the gray area in between like where a child's imagination starts and ends and where like the real world and really harsh physical violence takes place. Um, Mm. I, I got that it was a child escaping from the brutalities of a wartime. So I guess I'll just put it out there. What, like what's your guys take on the ending is her throne yeah. room with her dad real or is that part of her imagination? I was actually going to bring that up because I told Brittany going into the movie, I said, I'm just going to let you know, there's not a lot of joy in this movie. And then right when it ended, she's like, well, that was really sad. And I go, yeah, but it had a happy ending. She goes, did it? And then I was like, well, I should bring this up to the, the pot. I, I said, I think you're supposed to think that that was kind of a reality, especially with her blood dripping on the portal and everything. But, I guess it's kind of ambiguous, so I don't know. What do you guys think? I thought it was real. I thought it was real up until the point where Vidal, like, shot her and he couldn't see the fawn guy. And then I was like, oh, maybe Ophelia is just crazy. <laughs> it was all in her head. But at that point... Yeah. And she was, like, kind of a psycho, I guess, a At bit. that point, though, she had, like, slipped some stuff in his drink. Like, he was kind of tripping a little bit. So it's almost like subverting yeah. that, like... His anti-tripping is not seeing the thing that was there. but and, and there are points, too, like when she's running through the labyrinth where the fawn like literally opens up a stone door for her and she disappears. Like, yeah. That's like physical evidence in the universe that, yeah. that it's real. So that's tough to explain a lot. And, and, the, and the man drank, I guess, is kind of... I mean, even though they can't hear it screaming, I don't know if mandrake babies are real or not. They could smell that delicious milk, though. God, how long had that thing been sitting oh, under there? Fuck. I would have so lost gross. it if I was that girl's dad. <laughs> but like, what the hell is wrong with you? I would have shot her right Honestly, there. Honestly, if you're storing milk, like someone in the house Spoiled has to milk hear that, like, smell that from outside the hall. Like, hey, we got some rotting milk down here. Mm, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, in college. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> Drew Rockland, friend of the pod, and myself, uh, we hit a half glass of milk under Brett's bed. <laughs> this happened. Oh, God. They also <laughs> nailed a piece of pizza 12 feet up in the air on my wall and put a bunch of silverware in my sheets. And my, anyway, like, yeah, these, right. these are weird pranks that used to play on each other back mean, in the 70s, dude. guys. He's, he's evil. <laughs> God, Jordan, Jordan weigh Jordan weigh in on what you think of the ending of Pan's Labyrinth. It, <laughs> is this a happy ending or not? Well, I'm just, I'm glad that you guys could entertain yourselves in school back in the mid '80s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a bitch no, time. I, <laughs> groovy. <laughs> um, no, as far as the ending, I I kind of went back and forth. I was kind of along the same lines as uh, Mikey when the captain couldn't see the fawn. Um, but then towards the end, it almost looked like she was like sort of alive still as her blood was dripping down into the thing. And I'm not really sure why I'm not sure what convinced me, but I ended up convincing myself that it was real and that she had jumped over into like the alternate world or whatever. You guys didn't think it was real. Some well, of how you did. How does the end, how did, 
How does the end relate to the beginning? Because in the beginning, the blood goes back up her nose, and then doesn't she get up and run away or something? No, it just... It's, I think it's like rewinding. Beginning's the end. Then it's yeah. rewinding, telling you there's a, a story that started before this. It's a classic, like, you may be wondering how Ophelia got here. Freeze well, frame. Record scratch. Freeze frame. Yeah. Record scratch. Morty hates movies like this. <laughs> I think you have to take it as real just because of the world that it's taking place in, and as well as for the thing is like the captain not being able to see the fawn. Well, Ophelia is the only child at this mill. Anybody who's ever seen movies knows that like pretty much ghosts and fantasy only ever surround the child. Rarely do they interact with adults. And as well as I think this movie takes aim at like especially what Guillermo del Toro was trying to say, like when you become an adult, your imagination kind of dies with it. Like you're going to go through moments in life where your imagination is going to get stripped from you little by little. I think that's what he was trying to say with this movie and especially the ending and blending the two realities. Mercedes does say something like that. Yeah. She says she doesn't, at some point she stopped believing in fairies and stuff. Yeah. So that makes sense. And her mom kind of lets loose on her at one point about how magic isn't real. Stop with this BS. And so, yeah. Well, they have very different really... approaches, like Mercedes versus her mom. Like, the mom's totally, like, irrational. Like, I don't understand why why she's so anti her having an imagination. Probably because the captain The doesn't... mom is dealing with some <laughs> problems of her own. Yeah, I think Stevie's right. I think it's because she's terrified of... El Capitan find it out. Spanish Amon Goth. He's, that was, yeah, I I'm hope we talk about him at some point. Cause finding out what? Was, Terrified of him finding out what? Just, I don't know, angering him in any way. And I feel like fairy tales would be up there for things that would irritate him. Because the captain even with, makes mention of it. Where he's like, why do you let her stuff her head in those like crazy books all the time? Mm-hmm. Like it's something that he has like no patience for. He doesn't have a lot of patience for anything. So this is my third or fourth time watching this movie, and I've I've come to the conclusion that her imaginary world is just imaginary, but mm. like the power of the imagination, like for her, it is kind of a happy ending. So I think I I've been like my last couple of viewings, I've been looking for like, is there a real person that corresponds with like? Pan coming to talk to her is there like an actual like logical explanation for like why the mandrake root in milk would seem to like cure the mother for a while and And i don't think i don't think there is no that's my whole point dude i think this movie is extremely overrated i think this is actually two movies that don't blend together at all like i i don't think there's a good tie between the spanish civil war plot and her imagination like I, I really can't think of one. Like maybe someone smarter than me can draw like parallels, but I don't understand why these two movies are in the same movie at all. For me. I think it's because she's escaping that world. So of course it's going to be like completely disparate from it. I think I, it's about, I, I don't, I don't really know what Pappy's point is. I guess he's just saying that the, the backdrop and the movie itself don't blend. I don't, yeah, I don't, I think there's two distinct stories that are going on here. There's the story of the uh, rogue gang and then like her escaping it, but like her escaping it doesn't really pay off into the Civil War plot at all. It's really completely secondary and like she just ends up getting shot. Like there's really nothing. I don't know. I, I thought that I had never seen this movie before. I assumed it would be like, 80% 80% the labyrinth and the imaginary story. And it's like really the reverse this is really a story about the civil war with this little like escapist fantasy on the side. He just doesn't like it. Cause it wasn't made in the eighties. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that screen times are about right. I, I thought it was about 50, 50. Did you guys feel like it was super no heavy way. on the civil way war? Way more civil war. It's not yeah, 50, 50. To go back to the labyrinth. Yeah, way more Civil War. 65-35. I was confused as to why the hand-eye guy was just in the movie for five minutes and then never brought back up again. I didn't know what his purpose actually was. He had the key. I thought that was a little disappointing. He had something, right? Yeah, he had the key that I think, what was it? Uh, he opened the... No, no, he had, had, he had the, the dagger. Uh, the dagger. 
Yeah. Yeah, the dagger. And that was for the okay, but baby at the end. Is he's just a guy that guards the dagger? Is that all he does? And he, he was he there's like children. murals of him he eating babies. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe the fawn had been sending kids back for like centuries trying to get them to I don't well, know. That's, a, that's another problem I have too, is like I don't feel like any of the characters have any kind of an arc. Like Olivia, is that her name? Uh Ophelia. Ophelia. Moana. A Moana. Ophelia. Like she she gets the key that gets the dagger that proves that oh she just didn't want to kill her little brother her little brother like oh what a great arc for her she doesn't want to murder a baby like the <laughs> they didn't have they didn't have to kill her though it's he a half brother man brick. way different the captain doesn't change at all like Mercedes doesn't really change at all like nothing actually really happens with these characters I don't understand like why and I was expecting I was expecting the baby brother to be like some sort of Mutant baby? I don't know. Uh, yeah, something. Or, or be special in some way or something, but it was just a baby. That's the labyrinth you're thinking of, the actual movie the Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were watching that. With David Bowie? The Goblin Babe. Oh, yeah. Featuring David Bowie's bulge. Let's <laughs> dance! If I'm going to play Defender of the movie, I guess I'd point to... Just a position between a, a little girl's fantasy world and like a hardcore civil war tale, I thought it was very interesting. And thinking about how this is a child doing huge mental hurdles, trying to get through life and creating all these characters in her mind so that like she has a purpose based on like books she's reading and just being like utterly alone and isolated. She asks her brother for like one favor. And not to kill or hurt her mom and he, he failed, failed. <laughs> and like and despite that she's still like innocent and loving and doesn't even give him up to have his like pin pricked so i i do think that there's like there's like a lesson in in innocence here if you want to look like for some grand theme don't kill I, I babies. Think that is pretty strong. Yeah. I think that is pretty strong. I, I mean, she's not like an. A, this is a pro-life just don't movie. Don't kill babies. <laughs> I mean, she's not a grown adult like thinking on that level. She's just a kid with a very innocent perspective. But of, but here's where yeah, I, here's like, where I disagree though. Like Ophelia's struggles are not really tied into the war effort at all. They're like more domestic. Like it's about like having a stepfather. Who's no, mean. she. There's a scene where she talks to, uh, the the main. Spy, yeah, Mercedes, and she admits, like, she sees everything is happening. She's like, "You're helping the people out there, aren't you?" Like, she's very receptive. Well, supporting the resistance is different than like, I'm saying, like, her actual character struggles are from like having a mean stepdad, or like, it doesn't have to do with like the hardship of being a part of a war or being in a war. I guess maybe her dad could have gotten killed by the captain potentially. Uh, Most definitely did. Most definitely did. Yes. Why do you say that, Stevie? Oh, come on. Like, really? Like, father up and ends up and dies, and all of a sudden you're married to a captain? Like, that dude set it up. Well, the dinner party scene was super weird with those two ladies being like, yeah. oh, it was just a coincidence. <laughs> hmm. What you got, Brett? Uh, I didn't, hey, this is Brett, and I'm recording from Fort Wayne. <laughs> hey, Brett. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been watching any new TV shows or movies lately. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't even think about that, Stevie, and like you kind of just blew my mind, and now I'm embarrassed because it seems really obvious. But I... That's the way I took it, mean, was like... Wait, wait. wait to say that Ophelia is not a victim of war, just, that's just not true. No, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm just saying I didn't. I never are even thought assuming, about it. Go ahead. Are we assuming that Ophelia's dad, the tailor who was killed, is also the king at the end? He is the king at the <laughs> end. Yes. What is going on there? Because that guy, that guy is like 80 years old. That's kind of my proof for this being a fairy tale in her mind. Like she doesn't really remember her dad, so that's just like her vision of like God or something as a dad. Maybe Pappy can fill us in on that. <laughs> what? Maybe not. If you remember, <laughs> if you remember the unicorn dream, it's clearly not. If you watch the director's final cut of this, but <laughs> God, 
I don't nice know. one. I don't know. Blade Runner callback. Yeah. I mean, the very last scene to me, I think, was absolutely necessary because without this, this is just a bleak, bleak, terrible Oh my god, it would be so movie. sad. Like, can you can you imagine <laughs> if that scene wasn't in this film? Just like, dead. You just want to like hang yourself in the movie theater bathroom, like. But that's why her imagination is so beautiful because that was the only redeeming thing in this whole story is this kid's imagination. Where the Civil War, both sides produced nothing but agony, despair, and death. I mean, it was definitely sad. So it got that across. <laughs> sad but also were there any death scenes in this that were memorable to you i mean this is this is spooky spoilers and i think there's a couple pretty gruesome scenes yeah the torture scene was pretty rough i mean you don't see anything but you see the after effects of uh the guy in the resistance uh, the guy with the stutter i don't remember his name what were those after effects pretty beaten up uh, his hand was basically torn yeah. in half, Ugh. and his face was beaten in. Oh, and then the two farmers at the beginning yep. of the movie. They, they got rabbits, dude. Yeah, pretty rough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... Brett, so, walk us through that one. I can tell that's, that's yeah, your that jam. One, I, I wrote very few notes for this movie, but I put brutal bottle murder. I mean, <laughs> like, you kind of assume right away that El Capitan's kind of a, like, a dick, but, like when you see him smash this dude's face with a bottle, mm. it was just kind of, I don't know. It was just brutal. I mean, beating someone's face. I mean, like his face goes like into his face, if that makes sense. Like his nose goes in and it's just kind of catches you off guard. I just kind of assumed he'd just shoot him like he did the old man, but he like really did not like that guy. And <laughs> eat just one of his rabbits or something. I don't yeah, uh, the scene's extra chilling because they're killed because they didn't believe them that they were farmers out hunting rabbits and then it's because they didn't look thoroughly enough in their bags to see that there's like a huge rabbit in the bag. Yeah. Yeah, how would you not see that? Yeah, I think... That'd be like the first thing you see. I think the violence <laughs> was more aimed at his subordinates than it was the actual farmer himself. Yeah, that's probably true. I think, I think he was taking his frustration out on the farmer, saying kind of like, these two guys are dead because you guys couldn't search a bag. Right, you wasted his time. Yeah. Okay, but that, okay, that's another problem I have with this movie, mm-hmm. is that I feel like the captain's motivations like straddle between him either just being like pure evil or him having like daddy issues. Like, If he was really that upset about his dad not being, or not thinking that he's brave, like why is he such a psychopath and violent? Like, I don't get like where he's coming from at all from a character perspective. You're born that way. So he's, he's a just, fascist, man. So, so he's just Ramsey Bol- Bolton who happens to have a broken watch too. In that whole plot line. <laughs> Wait, Ramsey has a broken watch. They have watches. He's Ramsey. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's Ramsey with a broken watch. Is what I'm saying. Uh, he has a, he has a sundial on his wrist. <laughs> I well, I have in my notes that the main character—he's just a depressed, suicidal, short fuse. Probably also has huge trauma from the war. Guy, he—he he has a scene where he's looking at himself shaving, and he sees himself in the mirror, and he like slits his throat in the mirror, and there's like no consequence to it. It's like the end of that scene. But it's pretty early on, and I think he just hates life, Pap. I think they're really people like that. Well, like his whole like story is about like the issues with his dad, and the last thing that he says as a character is like, "Tell my son like the time when I died." And he's like denied that too. But like on top of that, he just has this whole like psychopathic level that I don't know. It just doesn't seem like consistent. It just seems like so over the top and crazy. I don't think it was a level. I think he was just a psychopath. I mean, I think the inconsistent inconsistency is part of it too. Like there's times when he goes nuts, like on those farmers, but then even later on when he finds the bowl of milk and the mandrake and he's like about to go off on Ophelia. Um, and the mom just like, just like Lee, let me handle this. He's like, uh, okay later. And just like walks away. So (laughs) I think that's like, like the unpredictability of it almost makes him like a little bit more scary. Maybe he also seems to let Mercedes off the hook 
for like a little while after the key thing. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, but I think he had some of a sleeve. He was going to follow her out. And he said he it did. was his weak, uh, like women were his weakness because he finds them like non-intelligent. So he was right. kind of just letting her loose on a but on a leash to follow her and try to get like more information about the resistance. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying, Brett? That's yeah. That's what I thought. I'd agree. That he, makes sense. He was like, "You don't know. You don't know anything about running routes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way." You know anything about this war? <laughs> but but Josh, do you do you find this whole plotline as interesting as the like more fantasy element stuff? Like, yeah, I I actually do really like those scenes. Maybe even more as much as I like the practical effects. I just thought that I really think this movie does a really <laughs> good job of showing the bleakness of war. And like what it does to people. And I think even the last shot, even after Ophelia has her like dream sequence where she's being rewarded in heaven, it pans up to Mercedes like just mourning over her body. And it it's like Picasso's Guernica, man. It's a fucking classic. Well, how about that leg saw scene, boys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad they sh- only showed one oh, cut. Man. I, oh. Just fucking shoot me in the head if that ever happens. Just blow my brains out. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? The, here's one of my favorite characters, the one who actually does the sawing there. The doctor. That doctor. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. Who looks like an old Colin Farrell. <laughs> I thought that was Colin Farrell for sure. What? Pappy, did, like 20 years did you at least appreciate the doctor? Yeah. No, I love the doctor, dude. I love how the doctor like goes out too. Like he just walks away and makes the captain shoot him in the back. Like, yeah, fuck you. If you gotta kill good. me, that's how you gotta kill me. Like. <laughs> His character was awesome. That reminds me of Missouri Breaks when Marlon Brando turns his back on Jesus. Goes in the bathtub. Right, Pap? Is that before or after he goes drag? I can't remember. <laughs> Jordan, did you have did you have a character or a person who you thought had the best performance? And granted, this is subtitles. It's a little bit harder to tell who's acting well, but who who did you appreciate, Jordan? For me, it keeps coming back to the fawn. Um, and I actually was just looking up his like background. He's like from Indiana, actually, and had to learn Spanish for the film, which is pretty cool. Also, was wearing 10-pound horns on his head, D- apparently. Doug Jones is his name. Yeah, Doug Jones. Yeah. Nice. Um, and so he's like wearing these 10-pound horns on his head while he's doing this character, which I thought was pretty sweet. I also uh, think that Ophelia's uh, performance is pretty good, too. Like Especially, uh, she was... Uh, Ivana Baccaro and she was like 11 years old at the the time and I thought it was a decent a decent performance from a kid yeah I agree well that Doug Jones guy he was also the pale man as well as the fawn he played two characters yeah Yeah. Pap who who did you like best Uh, performance wise yeah I gotta give it for Doug Jones like he's kind of like the uh Andy Circus of practical effects for Guillermo. So good for him. Uh, Josh, I had a quick question though before we throw it around. Like, I know yeah. one of your favorite movies is Children of Men, and this actually beat Ch- Children of Men for best cinematography at the Oscars that year. What would you uh, give the Oscar to, uh, Pan's Labyrinth or Children of Men? For that specific? For the cinematography, yeah. I think they both have great cinematography, but I, saw, I, I like Children of Men a little bit more for like the car scene and and other stuff but well first before i answer that could we have stevie maybe tell the audience and myself like what cinematography is so uh, we if can you just look make sure up the most everyone definition knows. of Haven't google we done this before? it's just yeah it's um pretty much the art of making movies <laughs> if you want to be the most vague you can about it it's i don't need to see it dotty i'm having it. i'm having yeah. flashbacks right now <laughs> 
I know that Children of Men has a scene that's like a, f- a four scenes. or five minute single take war action sequence that's like impeccable. And I I would have to give that that movie the nod for that, Pap, just to be honest. But I, I think these are both excellent movies. Like I don't want to take away from Pan's Labyrinth because it's not as good as Children of Men. Yeah. No, I, I would say I would give it to Children of Men, other than it doesn't have a giant toad getting disemboweled. So that's <laughs> that's a make or break. But But it does have Michael Caine smoking weed. Strawberry <laughs> cough. <laughs> uh we gotta do that movie soon, but uh, Pap, did you did you give a best performance? Uh yeah, I I went with um, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Yeah, sorry, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. <laughs> Mike, Mikey, go ahead. Uh, I think it'd be a toss up between Ophelia, the Fawn, or uh, the Captain. Yeah, I thought the Captain did a really good job. Yes, he's very easy to hate. Very hateable, Brett. Uh. Like my favorite character was the fawn, but I was waiting for someone to say it, and finally, like you said, I thought the captain was like hands down the best performance of the movie, like acting wise. I mean, I, obviously, I hate his guts, but I thought he was just a really good, nothing behind his eyes, like stone cold killer, just calculated. I thought he was the best, and I thought Ophelia was really good for her age. Brett, what do you think about Pappy's assertion that like every bad guy needs like relatable reason that he's a bad guy with multiple layers. That's a fair summary of my assertion. Well, well said, Jeff. Um, is it, well, I'm, is, go it, ahead. Is, is it not Pappy? No, all I'm saying was that he straddled the line between psychopath and having a genuine reason for being a psychopath. Like, either give me the fact that he's a fascist or give me the fact that he has daddy issues, but don't dabble halfway in both was my problem see but i i disagree with that so um why bro? that's why because i think it was obvious that he was a psychopath 100 percent of the movie and everything he did now uh it's possible that he then why, turned yeah. into a sociopath when his dad died that's a different thing i mean it, it all amounts to the same thing but i mean if you look up the definition of a psychopath sociopath he has like that's all the symptums of it and i one out of a hundred people are sociopaths. Well, so, I'm not. You know, yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that you can streamline this movie so much more if we don't have to watch him fucking whining the watch, fixing the watch. Like, there's so many <laughs> shots of the watch. Like, just make him a fucking fascist psychopath. I don't need to. I don't need to hear the daddy issues. That's fine. <laughs> well, when it's the, fine. It's, when a, the it's, guy... a, it's a fairy tale. He's a bad stepdad. That's <laughs> all I need. <laughs> So, well, so why did you want it to like delve further into his? No, into his I'm past saying do one or one or the other. Like either go with the fact that he has real motivations, or go with the fact that he's the an inversion of the evil stepmother being the evil stepfather. But like it's like, and eh, we do a little bit of both here. I'm not a fan of of half of going in both porque, camps. Porque no los dos. Porque, <laughs> I, I guess tacos. I see why you're not a fan of this movie then, Pat, because I think. That's kind of what Del Toro is doing this movie. A little bit of both of everything. Like a little bit of both that this is a fairy, a fantasy world in Ophelia's mind, but a little bit of breadcrumbs that it's actually taking place in the real life. Yeah. yeah I and mean, he like, definitely likes to go both ways. <laughs> For sure. And on that note, Jordan, or is that a sexy yeah, no, I, would, I, would, I would never do that. Stevie, who is your favorite performance? Um, it's probably a tie between El Capitan and Mercedes. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought she was a really good actress, did a really good job, and I actually was like rooting for her character the most out of anybody in the movie. I kind of I, I get where Pappy's coming from of kind of pussyfooting the line of not knowing exactly what the captain is. Uh, I I understand like where he get, gets frustrated with that, but I actually enjoyed his performance and his backstory because. He's definitely a military man in everything that he does. And he probably has enormous pressure on himself to live, to live up to his father. And as well as the pressure of getting rid of these rebels, commanding an army. He has a brand new wife. He has a stepdaughter he doesn't want. Yeah, he has an unborn child that he's worried about the whole movie. 
Um, he just has an insane amount of pressure. So I kind of, I actually liked his character and I guess the backstory that went with it. I, I think that attributed most to his unpredictability and as Brad said earlier, his uh, terrifyingness. I mean, that I, scene that scene where he gets uh, cut up by Mercedes is pretty dope. Yeah. yeah. Why so serious? <laughs> Why didn't she, what? where where he where he comes out and yells uh, to go after Mercedes? I was like, and his whole face is torn up. That was that was a really cool scene. I Why doesn't she just kill him with that in that scene? Like she, she tried. tried. Well, her last she, cut is like to his face, and yeah, but know. she stabbed him like five times. I think she was also just trying to get away. That's I don't know. True. I think she probably knew that he stared at she himself in the mirror so slow. ten minutes a day. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty vain. Fair enough. I mean, Josh, who did you, what, what was your favorite character? Well, first of all, I wanted to say my wife is also super pregnant, much like the captain's wife was. And you can often catch me on a any given night just kind of slamming shots of whiskey, shaving, looking at myself <laughs> in the mirror, <laughs> slashing myself with the throat. <sighs> it's a rough life, Pap. It's a rough <laughs> life. Wow. And people are complicated. They're not black and white. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Dark confession. <laughs> I wish I knew who played the fairies, Jordan. The fairies? The fairies? Yeah, I love the fairies. I want to play charades with the fairies. They are my best. <laughs> that, that was my favorite performance. Um I think Pappy, you've been the most fiery this pod. I love it. Do you want to give your yes or no first? Yeah. Okay. I'll give it a soft yes. Um, I I'm not saying this is a bad movie, but like, this is a top 300 movie all time on IMDb. Like, the top user reviews is saying like this is the best fantasy movie of the past 10 years, and this came out in the same decade as The Lord of the Rings. I just think it's a little bit overrated. I think visually it's amazing. I think it's beautiful. I just think the storytelling isn't the best. And I, I still can't reconcile the fact that I feel like there's two distinct plot lines of a of a civil war drama and a inverted fairy tale going on that don't really mash up for me. But I, I didn't have a bad time watching it. Just just be advised, like you're not watching Alice in Wonderland. Like go into this with the right frame of mind. It's a very intense, dark movie. But Soft yes, and glad I finally got around to seeing it. I gave it a soft yes. Pappy, before we go away from you, do you think it fits nicely into our our spooky spoilers block? Uh, it's a little sad, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Josh, I have one last question with you. You're the only one who's gotten a girl, or, or sorry, gotten his wife sick with child. Um <laughs> if you were going to dress up one of your daughters for the most important dinners of her life, how far in advance would you put on the fancy dress? Would you put it on eight hours in advance or maybe like, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes in advance? Good question. Uh, I'd have to go with about 30 seconds in advance, like walking down the stairs, throwing it on top of her. <laughs> That's a good point. My girls aren't 11 yet, so... Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to trust him a little more at that point. Brett, uh, you got a yes or no for us? Oh, yeah. Um, this is a definite yes for me. I loved it when I watched it in college. I loved it when I watched it last night. Um, I was really excited to talk about the movie. Uh, I thought the acting was really good. And I don't know if you've actually checked out Ivana Baccaro like, recently, but she's oh, kind of a babe. Don't do oh, it. Yeah. She's 23, bro. Uh, but yes, it's a yeah, a solid yes for me. Stevie. Wait, Moana's 23? Yeah, she's babe. Nice. Um, this is a, a solid yes for me. I actually enjoyed both story elements of the Civil War backdrop and the fantasy, and I didn't think the two worlds would ever meet. And I think that Guillermo actually pulled it off in the end. Um, it looks beautiful. It's really well acted, and uh, it it felt longer than it was, which is never a good thing. This is like an hour and fifty nine minute runtime, and it honestly felt like close to two and a half hours for me. But uh, I'll give it a yes, solid yes. 
Jordan. Uh, yeah, I I guess I want to start off with I kind of understand Pappy's reservations with the story, and I think that maybe it's a tad overrated. Um, but it is a yes for me. The like between the visuals and the kind of tension and uh, like, yeah, I guess like the the tension throughout the story. Like I was uh, gripped pretty much from the start with both storylines, even though they don't necessarily come together perfectly. Um, but yeah, it was something different, a, a good fantasy movie, and it's a it's a yes for me. Mikey, uh, yeah, I can see where Pap is upset with the plot. Um, I think if you're gonna call it a fantasy movie, you want more fantasy, but this is supposed to be the imagination of a little girl, so I can see how it's kind of stepping in two different, I don't know, two different worlds for most of the movie. But the practical effects, the special effects, are amazing. Um, I'm not angry that I watched it. I'm a little upset that I had to read the whole time, but <laughs> all that reading, uh, I can't complain. All that reading. <laughs> I mean, if I understood Spanish, it'd be great because then I could just focus on the visuals, but it's a little tough to read subtitles at the same time, but I give it a, a soft yes. Cool. And this is Josh. Um, I really like this movie. I think, Pappy's hit on this before, but expectations going into a movie. I mean, this movie's 10 years old now. Pappy's probably heard from dozens of people lauding about like, oh, Pan's Labyrinth is great. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. This is just like in college, like a blurry bootleg tossed into my DVD that kind of blew (laughs) my mind. So I still like that movie from then. And it's not a perfect movie because I think if it were it'd be smart enough to where even the things in the imagination that kind of propel Thelia's plot, they would have like logical explanations somehow kind of weaved in. I think that could have been interesting if they would have tried that a little bit more. Um, I think the torture scene is up there with like the reservoir reservoir dogs, like ear cutting scene as far as like just haunting, like, Holy crap. I can't believe a human would do this to another human, but I can believe a human would do this to another human. And Another shot that we didn't talk about was the first time they show the rebels like kind of like emerging out of the woods and the fog and like just looking like a bunch of badasses. That was a really well done cool shot. Did anybody else pick pick up on that? Yeah, it was sweet. Well, also speaking of cool shots too, I love the interrogation scene <clears throat> with stuttering Bill and the captain. <laughs> Where he's making them count to three, like that's like really, really effective. That's yeah. that's up there with like any interrogation scene I've seen in the movie. He has a pretty great monologue, like leading up to that, with all the tools that he's going to use on him. Like we're going to be brothers when I use this tool, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then you're going to tell me everything when I use this blade or something is pretty effective. Yeah. It makes you put yourself in the position of the person about to get tortured. I would talk well. immediately. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> I wouldn't be that POW that like, you know, went down taking up prisoners. I was like, all right, what do you want to know? It's the doctor. Like, I like, I, I like my fingers. I like my hands. You know, <laughs> don't, don't cut me up. What do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> I think this movie does a pretty good job with the CGI. It's like a $13, $14 million budget. It's not like the best CGI movie. It's not as good as Lord of the Rings, but it kind of does it sparsely enough and mixes it with practical effects enough that it's pretty great. Um, Maybe this movie is overrated, but for me, this will always be one of my all-time favorites. So hard... Viggo Morrison, what he can't show on screen. Yes. And with that, Pappy, will you toss the spoiler man and we'll come back with trivia? Take it away, Sandy Signor, spoiler man. (laughs) (laughs) What did you just say? We're on commercial. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. Twitter is at Spoilers underscore pod. 
Subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Bullshit. Thanks, Spoiler Man. Uh, <laughs> we're back. Um, Big old pair of joker lips. <laughs> Stevie's jokes just aren't as funny out of context trust me but uh, before we get to what we promised was trivia we had a little bit of controversy over the weekend uh, in the end of last week Pappy no. can you discuss nope. screen junkies nope nah <laughs> would rather not I'd like to discuss the vagina poster but not <laughs> that'll be that'll be after the end song. Well, well that'll all be in there. But can, tell us about screen junkies. Well, I don't want to touch that with a ten foot. S- Stevie, s- start us up with it. What what happened? I don't even get it. I don't know what's going on. <sighs> it's pretty gross. Uh, how do you say his name? Andy Signore. Andy Signore. Andy Signore. Um, AKA Spoiler the, Man. <laughs> that's not who that is. Don't attribute that to him. But um, he does Honest Trailers, which is a hilarious hilarious channel from Screen Junkies. And long story short, the guy who created it and is pretty much the face of Screen Junkies was trying to get up on his employees. And they came at him with, rightfully so, sexual harassment, and he has been fired. But how he does, didn't do the honest trailers. He did the movie fights, didn't he? No, he thought. Well, yeah, he but Screen Junkies does honest trailers. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I read that he wasn't, but you guys been know more than me. And now there's also this other layer where apparently the parent company that owned the channel covered it up within their HR department. So shit's hitting the fan right now. Defy Media, great HR. Oof. It's a fun. Is there also an element here of topic? Spoilers having broken the story? There is. Yeah. I woke up pretty drunk and I saw the news. (laughs) (laughs) And I I saw that one of the guys who... Like most media people. (laughs) One of the guys who wrote for them named Lon Harris had also woken up pretty drunk and was tweeting about sexual harassment from the Weinstein brother. And I said something about how it was ironic he was saying that on the day his boss got charged and he got really pissed and everyone got everyone liked the comment where he got pissed at us and no one liked the <laughs> comment where we were pointing it out to him <laughs> so we, we, we came out looking pretty rough in that exchange why do we look rough isn't that a fair it assessment it look great it looks pretty mean-spirited <laughs> the way pappy came. threw like a really mean-spirited a really to start and shit just went downhill from there <laughs> We hey, were true spoilers that's, that's that morning. Spoilers it was pod. awesome. If you can't handle it, get off the internet. After Josh uh, of the Rutabaga carries us out with our theme, we'll have some great breakdown of the movie poster. You want to be Moana? <laughs> Walk through a vagina tree. But before that, let's hit up trivia. You're welcome. To see who can pick the next movie and hopefully break us out of the spooky spoilers. Maybe give us something funny. Um, the order here on my Skype... And we'll just go in this order is uh, Pappy, Brett, Stevie, Mikey, Jordan. Jordan's going to win. So this yeah, <laughs> this Jordan's movie is always setting shit up like this. This win. movie takes place in 1944 and it's part of like uh, resistance, like <laughs> civil war era for Spain. But their dictator or some might call him Fuhrer. The technically the prime minister of Spain mm. was named yes Francisco Franco, and so I want everyone to go around. You guess what year he started his reign, and I'll give the answer after everyone goes, and you get like for every year you were away from that year, you get like a point, and points are points bad. are bad. Yes, and then we'll go to the year he finished out. And if there happens to be a tie, Golf. there is a tie-breaking question. So we're doing both years started and year finished? We're starting out with year started. Okay, go ahead. Dad. Go ahead? Yeah. 1944. Okay, and Brett? 
1922. Stevie. I'll go with a little Brian May here and say 1939. Mikey. Uh, 1935. And Boderman. Uh, 41. Correct answer. It's 1938, and Stevie takes oh, a commanding. Yeah! Although Mikey and Boat are still most definitely in it. I'm dead. I said we'd go in reverse order for this, so Jordan, what year did Francisco Franco end his reign? Gonna say 57. Mikey. Um, I'll say 48. Okay. Stevie. I don't think fascism was super cool in the 50s. Uh, I'll hit it with the 10-year period, 1949. Brett. I got to go big or go home. I'm going to say, like, 1969. And, nice. yeah, you went big. Well, <laughs> Pat, go ahead. Vagina poster, you know. 1975. Alright guys, just to give you some history on Francisco Franco he He's the brother of James <laughs> And also, wait, there's isn't there another famous? Yeah uh, There we go Francisco Franco Bahamadan or however you say his name most people think he was a jerk he lived a long life from 1982 to 1975. 75 is actually where he ended his reign. Which is what I said. In Spain. Holy shit, Pat. Fuckers. You did. And Pappy wins because he was only six off. Back to back nice. to back, Pat. That's a three Pat. <laughs> I'm so sorry to have to break this news to everyone. And I can't wait to hear what 80s movie we have coming up next. Young Guns 2? Can we, oh, it's 90s, Jordan. It's 90s movie. Why do we, we already can't get the spoiler, man? Okay, I, no, I got it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to temp pull, temp pull this movie, but it's definitely going to have the biggest sequel of the year, so we might as well do it and get it out of the way. Let's talk about The Force Awakens. <sighs> And see what everyone thinks about that. Interesting. Okay. A recent movie. Boilers Wars. So you guys know the trivia, like bonus question, in case there was a tie, was what what restaurant chain that serves bread and soup does Josh not like very much? Panera. Garden. Panera. Panera bread. Brett got it. Yeah. All right. The movie I want to do is <laughs> no. You're done, Pappy. Oh yeah. Uh, do you want to have any last words, or is this it for spoilers today? No. That's it. <laughs> any last words? That was spoilers. Please don't forget to leave us a review and leave us some stars and some words. Not to mention, if you look at the movie poster, it's a big vagina. <laughs> what? What? Mike Pence was horrified after look at the movie poster. It's a big vagina tree she's walking in. Mike Pence walked out of this movie. The fig Faster tree? than he walked out on the NFL game today. All right, yep. let's see what we got here. Oh, my goodness. The tree is, it's got the fallopian that's tubes. It's clearly and a vagina. It's crazy. <laughs> Dude, guys, like, wow. oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, very right. vaginal. Wow, that's a right. good call, man. <laughs> Who's that artist that drew nothing Send but vaginas? He's like a really I famous seen artist. This poster. Send a pic. Well, you guys get it? She's, she's getting reborn. She's going into the vagina. She's. You know, uh, uh, shut up, up Pappy. Uh, uh. It's a really smart movie, guys. I don't know if you get it. <laughs> Where they all look like they all look like flowers. They're all like paintings of flowers. Yeah, there you go. I was putting that thread. I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Who, yeah who, who artist is that? Like, I'm trying to think who she is. All know, right, something. We're about to come back from break. Artist who paints vagina. See a vagina. <laughs> Did you see it yet, Mikey? 
She's for, she's being mm. yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a birth canal. <laughs> oh, it's Georgia O'Keefe. She's walking into the yeah. vagina. <laughs> Georgia O'Keefe. Yeah, it makes sense. When she dies, <laughs> she's reborn. Get it? And look and look at that that arch. Look at that arch. That 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 face on the arch is definitely an O face. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> so many layers of this poster. I need to think about. So many labia layers. Pan's labia. It really is Pan's labia. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Legends circle. are true. <laughs> okay. All right, back from co- back from commercial in three, two, <laughs> bushy too. one. Wow. Do you think like, like, 